Merry Christmas, Jets fans. You got your victory. It wasn't pretty in hell. They probably should have lost in the end, but Gang Green prevailed over the abysmal Jaguars 26-21 at MetLife. Shout out to Ron Middleton for his first career win as a head coach, taking over for Robert Sal, who was out with COVID, along with more than a quarter of the Jets roster who was on the COVID list. No matter what happened really in that fourth down from the Jaguars, this was a win for the Jets. Sure, they hurt their draft stock, falling from two to four because they won, but man, it feels good to get in the victory column. We finally saw reasons why this team gave the keys to the baby face of the franchise, Zach Wilson. His 52-yard touchdown run was out of a dream. For the first time, we truly saw young Zachary use his wheels, parting through the red sideline seat for a score in his first true signature moment. A 91-yard rushing day. Michael Carter's first 100-plus yard day on the ground. Braxton Berrios showing the Jets he needs to be here for the long haul. Yes, it all came against the Jaguars, but for one post-Christmas day, Boxing Day, Kwanzaa Sunday, Gang Green's core youth players showed us they might have pieces to build around, and maybe 2022 and beyond won't be as dark as the past decade has been. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. What a bum. Look at the freaking scoreboard. You are not close. You play to win the game. Why can't the New York Jets ever have nice things? I don't mean to sound like the get off my lawn guy, but get off my freaking lawn with that. I forgot what it's like to win football games. I mean, you can't make it up with this team. Happy Victory Monday, Jake. Only our gang's all here. We love it. Here they come on third and five. Wilson, boy, somehow escapes. He's going to run for it. First down, Jake's Wilson. Plenty of green grass. Wilson stays in bounds. He's still going. And he's in. Touchdown. Zach Wilson pulling a magic trick. That was the longest touch around of probably my whole life. It's kind of ironic how it works out in the NFL. Berrios plays it. A couple yards deep. Berrios shot out of the cannon. It's a foot race to the 20. Berrios is in. 103 yards for the Jets. I, th- I thought it was a great game. Two. Too good of a game. Um, good for TV ratings. Fake from Wilson. Here they come. Wilson to the end zone. It is caught. Touchdown. Connor McDermott. Zach and I made eye contact last second when we pulled up, and I was, was like, throw it. Yeah, that was probably the highlight of my entire life so far, uh, that touchdown pass. Lawrence play action. Here they come. Mosley. Football is loose. The Jets recover and disaster strikes for Jacksonville. It's, it's Christmas. Merry Christmas, you guys. Ooh, welcome back to Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. A victory edition of the pod. That's another steak dinner for Kaz. He's racking them up. That's four in the year. That montage you just heard, courtesy of CBS. You heard Zach. You heard Barrios. You heard McDermott. You heard Middleton. Later in the show, we're going to chat with Steve Gelbs, the SMY Jets pre- and post-game host. But first, Kaz, boy, oh boy, what a doozy. You know, Ron Middleton talked about it being a great TV ratings game. Now, the results only mattered for the draft, which hurt the Jets because they lost that game in the final play of their two. They won. They went to four. But we're not going to talk about that because the draft doesn't matter, Kaz. This is about victories. And while the defense, it wasn't pretty, there were some tremendous moments from this game. And I know it was against a bad Jaguars team who is worse than the Jets, but Zach's 52-yard run was tremendous. Zach, 91 yards in the ground. The Jets running all over the place. 
273 rushing yards. Braxton Barrios, a kickoff return for a touchdown. He's cementing himself as a part of the future on special teams and maybe in the slot. The Jets did this with a quarter of the roster, you know, on the COVID list. They had a lot of backup offensive linemen in there. They had backup receivers all in there, backup defensive players in there, the backup head coach in there, and Ron Milton, who got the game ball. So while it wasn't the prettiest, there were signs from this game that Jets fans could smile about after uh, a nice little Christmas weekend, Cows. I think all you're smiling about is the result, Jake, and you should be. I know there's the question of the draft, but Jets fans should enjoy the win now. God knows you haven't had many of them you know, in the last couple of years. So enjoy the win. And then in April, when we're doing the pre-draft podcast, Jake, I'll say, oh, remember when they came up with that goal line stand against Jacksonville? Like, that's the reason you're not getting Kayvon Thibodeau now. And, you know, it reminds me kind of of um, – 2018-19, Sam Darnold leads the Jets to a win in, in Buffalo, a comeback win over the Bills, and that was the difference. They would have been picking number one. They would have gotten Nick Bosa. They got Quinn Williams, who's a very good player, but maybe you know not quite as impactful as Bosa. So, again, the Jets right now I think are at four in the draft. They'll be able to get someone good, but maybe not one of these top guys that, that are out there. But that's this conversation for April. Right now I think you, you know the Jets need wins. The fans need wins. They need something to feel good about. You can walk away from this one, Jake, feeling pretty good. And, yes, the Jaguars stink, but so did the Jets. And the Jets found a way to win. And uh, I think it was impressive with, you know, 20 guys on the COVID list, guys that were on that defense that, you know, you needed a program to figure out who they were. There was a penalty at one point in this game. Jake called on number 49, and I'm pretty good, and I had no idea who number 49 is. Like, did Tony Richardson come out of retirement? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think even Robert Sala watching in his hotel room was probably like, who the heck's that guy? So, yeah, there was this was a uh, the JV Jets here. You know, there's a lot of guys on the field that shouldn't have been out there, and they found a way to win, so give them credit. And it was a fun game, Jake. You know, I expected it to be a could be a horrible, horrible game, but it was fun. You know, the plays you mentioned, the Zach run, thought it was cool when he faked going out of bounds and faked the guy out and came back in. That was a fun play. The kickoff return. Two offensive linemen scored touchdowns, which Elias believes has never happened before in an NFL game or in the same game. So that was cool. Uh, yeah, so it was, you know, it was a back and forth game in the first half and then came down to the wire, goal line stand at the end. So it was a fun game. A fun game to cover, I'd imagine. A lot of good storylines from this game. And yeah, I mean, is that Shane Falco? I mean, you have no idea who's out there at most points of this game. And number 69, nice. Connor McDermott with a touchdown. Andrew, let's cue up what Zach Wilson had to say about that play because he was very excited for McDermott and for himself on that play. Let's hear what he had to say. And the funny part was we put the play in and practice and the O-line gives me crap for never throwing it to him. And, um, you know, we've had the play, you know, my read goes to the flat to the right. And then you see me look back to the left for the other two guys. And, you know, I always throw it to, you know, I threw it to Durham two times in practice, just joking around, you know, let just, you know, Hey, you know, that'd be funny if he caught it, whatever. It's not even part of the read, you know? So I go through one, two, three and pressure comes up the middle. I escape to the right. And I just see this big dude with his, his hands in the, in the air in the back of the end zone with no one around him. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, should I throw it to him? Like, like, is this happening? Like, this is exactly what we had talked about. Like what happens if I scramble and he's open and you know, the dude made an awesome catch, you know, coming down with it. But that was probably just one of like the, the like funnest moments of my college uh, or college, college, NFL, high school, whatever uh, career uh, to hit that one right there. It was, it was awesome. I thought that was, that was fun. And he owed that play, the 52-yard touchdown, and the victory to the kids of the lady at the diner that he gave the free tickets to. That was a fun little story. And the the snarky me and you were probably thinking, 
the, the poor lady and the kid having to go watch Jets Jaguars after Christmas, giving free tickets or like you only gave them two tickets and not four tickets. Well, I hope they were great seats, but they ended up seeing a hell of a game. And, you know, the fact that two offensive linemen scored, that would only happen in Jets Jaguars. I mean, the fumble and then that play. He scrambled. He showed some moxie. He showed a lot of swagger that we hadn't seen. Like you said, the play where he did the pump fake was really cool. He had 91 yards on the ground. And this is something to build on when you look at these final two games. And listen, they got two tough tests. You got the defending champion Bucks, and you got the Bills who beat the Patriots and are looking like they might win the division. So if he could build off this and have a nice final two games, it gives Jets fans a little bit of excitement going into an offseason where, you, where you've said they got $60 million to spend. They're going to have two top 10 picks potentially thanks to an insane Bears win over the Seahawks, which uh, helps out the Jets yet again as they are number seven. So uh, there are moments to take away from this game, albeit against a really, really bad Jaguars team. I'm not with you, Jake. <laughs> I do not think there's anything to build off of this game. Nothing? Come on, Kaz. No, I Braxton think... Berrios, special team? You no, know, not bad. No, Zach Andre Wilson. Roberts. Zach Wilson. I'm talking about Zach Wilson. Oh, Zach, okay. Yeah, I, you can't live on a 52-yard run. I mean, you can't do that. That's not what they're asking Zach Wilson to do. So that was kind of a freak play, and it was a nice play, It was, but I don't think you could build off of that. Um, and I, I think you need he needs his receivers back. In order to do anything in the last two games, I don't think you can function with the receivers they have right now. Uh, so let's hope Elijah Moore and Jamison Crowder are in there next week just so we can see what Zach Wilson can do against a good Buccaneers defense. I think Todd Bowles is going to be out for blood. I think he's going to be blitzing like crazy. Let's see how he handles that. You know, I thought there was a lot of positive signs in the Miami game when I watched that back more so than this game. I'll, you know, I'll see what I think when I watch back tomorrow. But to me, um, I thought the third down throw to Barrios was the best throw of the day uh, on the last drive. I thought that was that was a good play. And, you know, so that that was good to see. Wasn't a bad game, but I think it's a little deceiving. I think he threw four passes that could have been intercepted uh, that were dropped or that George Fant made a great play breaking one interception up. So I think it was a little deceiving. Uh, you know, in 102 yards passing, 102 yards passing. I don't know like why it felt like ball. that. At the end of the game, I saw, I'm like, I felt like he had an incredible game. And I'm like, wait, he only threw no, 102 he yards? Really didn't have an incredible he combined game. the rushing, he had 193 total yards. And okay, the, that's still not great. But that's what I was encouraged by, the fact that he he's comfortable to run now. Maybe that's because the knee is, is better than what it was, but we have not seen him run at all. And that run and the run we talked about. I don't think they want him to run, Jake. I don't think they yeah. want him to run very much. I think well, they should change their get, mind because I think he's he can run. Killed. Yeah, I mean, his aunt, did you hear his answer after the game? What did he say? It's not good for my stats, you know, like the rushing touchdown. I'd rather throw touchdown. So, like, I don't think he wants to run. I'm not sure. You know, I think. There was a play a few weeks ago against the Eagles, if you remember, he ran and he sort of slid early. And Middleton was interesting after the game. He said that LaFleur got on Zach to to be a little bit more aggressive running the ball. So, you know, I think they want him to take off and scramble when it's there, but I don't think they want want him living like that. And if he's going to do that little rope-a-dope on the sideline thing too much, like he did today, he's going to get whacked. Because it's the referees are going to say, okay, you're allowed to drill him because he he faked like he was going out of bounds and came back in on that play. I'm curious to see what he does going forward with taking off and running the ball. I think my philosophy, Kaz, is that he did this all with no offensive linemen, no receivers. And that plays a part in the stats. And listen, what LaFleur played to their strengths today, and that was running the football. He ran it down the throat. 36 rushes. We never see the Jets run for more than 20 or 25 times. So yeah, this oh, no, was, that, that was the plan was to run the ball. And I, I'm not saying Zach had a bad game, 
but I don't, I'm not encouraged by this game. I'm not saying, Oh, okay. He like, this is, he's arrived and like, they can, I don't see that. Oh, I no, think this was just, arrived, I think no. this was just kind of a eh game where he made one really nice play on the run, but you know, you need to see more, but yeah, clearly they went into this game thinking run the ball. I think they were worried about Greg Van Roten and Dan Feeney holding up at pass protection. I think they were worried about Keelan Cole, Denzel Mims, DJ Montgomery, and Braxton Berrios being their their you know top receivers. Jeff Smith, who dropped a, another brutal pass. So I, I think their plan was in this game, let's ride the run and ride Michael Carter for the most part. And then Zach, uh, Zach kind of, I think, contributed with a few, few of those scrambles. Here's two things you take away. Braxton Berrios, who probably may have got snubbed for the Pro Bowl, was incredible you know, as a receiver, getting his chances because the injuries – and the kickoff return, and like you said, Michael Carter is kind of like a Darren Sproles Jr. He showed a lot today, and again, against a bad team, we'll, we'll keep prefacing with, it with that, but those are two pieces of this team that you hope are here for the long haul, Cos, because they were big today. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, obviously Carter's a rookie. He's going to be here a while. Berrios is interesting. You got to resign think, him. Yeah, I mean, for, for a certain amount. You know, we'll see what they can do, you know. But, yeah, I, I, like you don't want – you've got our kick returner. You know, you let Andre Roberts walk a few years ago. Um, so, I, you know, they have to try to resign him. We'll see what he's looking for. But that was a great waiver claim, too, you know, back in 2019. Uh, that guy, you know, those are the kind of moves that you don't think about at the time. And that was a Gase move where he fell in love with them. Gase was the Dolphins coach when Barris was at the University of Miami. And he loved them there. And so he lobbied for them to pick him up when the Patriots waived him. And it's a move that's worked out for the Jets. And he's just a guy, an effort guy, Jake. You watch him practice. He's always going 100 miles an hour. He looks like he's always worried about getting cut. And you like those kind of guys. Adam Gase, you gave us Braxton Barrios. Thank you, Gase. Barrios um, in the Rudolph costume after the Rudolph onesie, I should I like say, that. after the game, too, Jake. I could very see you festive. rock that, cause. Very festive. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> but I'm a little disappointed, Jake, with just the Jets shirt on tonight. You know, I thought after Christmas there might be a different ramen look, you know? <laughs> I, I thought there the might beef, be, a, but I thought there might be a chunky soup sweatshirt tonight, something. Or that's, that's, I, I had to show my support for Gang Green after a victory. I was going to wear the beef or the cheese doodle. I wore the Cheetos to uh, the Giants show that went on video the last episode. So I don't. How get are they? Too how did they react over there on on the the Giants? Uh, podcast? I think they liked it. You know, Paul gave his usual snarkiness, of course, but I think Lawrence was a fan of the Cheetos. His kids love it. His kids love the ramen. I think the younger generation appreciates the goofiness of these hoodies. How I did the- order a Doritos hoodie. It oh, should no. come before our final episode. So. For the Nacho final cheese episode, or Cool Ranch? There was no Cool Ranch. I did do okay. my research. They only had uh, nacho, nacho cheese. cheese, so I will wear that. Can now. we ask Cameron, the intern, what he thinks of the ramen sweatshirts? He's a young guy. Cameron, you're a young fella. I feel like what? you appreciate the ramen hoodies. The ramen was interesting. I prefer that. Interesting. Good word, interesting. Cameron. Good I pre- word. The Doritos I enjoy. I think I prefer that one more. Or And the Cheetos. Ha- adds a little more flavor. All right, here's the, here's the other Cheetos. That's pretty cool. That's Come cool. On. Well, Come that's on, just, was extra flaming hot. Come on, cause it, that it is, is a nice, cause. It's nice. You're gonna be single forever, Jake. <laughs> ain't oh. no woman, ain't no woman out there that's gonna see the f- extra flaming hot Cheeto sweatshirt and go, "That's who I want to bring home to mom and dad." I will say on Bumbles, a girl did message me saying, "I like your swag," and it was the ramen hoodie. So I did get one. Uh, Thumbs up for the uh, ramen hoodie on Bumble. So there you go. Let's let's move on from my dating life and talk with Steve Gelbs of SNY next on Gangs All Here.
Jag, <laughs> just a guy. All righty, joining us now, our gang's all here for the first time as a man you see host the SNY Jets pre and post games. You also see him as a sideline reporter on SNY for my beloved Mets, of course. He's a 2019 Sterling Award winner as part of that SNY Mets broadcast booth. Let's give a warm gang's all here. Welcome to the pride of Greenwich, Connecticut, Steve Gelb. Steve, welcome to the show. How are you? Well, what took you so long, guys? I've been waiting for the invite here for 15 weeks. I know. Well, <laughs> you know, it's it's been a long year, a lot of headaches. But, we, you know, we knew you were busy because you just had your second child. So congratulations. How is the zone defense going with two kids right now? Well, I mean, we're still a man-to-man, thank God. But, uh, you know, I was talking to, to Kaz a little bit right before we went on. And I think we're both in agreement. The people who do three... I, I don't know how it's possible. One seems like a piece of cake now. I had my, my little girl about three weeks ago, and it's tremendous, but it is, say it's a handful would be the understatement of the century. I, I got a nice vacation today getting to go to work. My wife was the one that did the heavy lifting with both of them at home by herself. You have a son and a daughter. Son and a daughter, yeah. Now, you are in the industry now, but you grew up a Yankees fan. You work at SMY Mets now. What do you do? You raise them Mets fans? Do you raise them Yankees fans? Do you ruin them and raise them Jets fans? What's their fanhood going to be? Well, they're they're definitely Jets fans. I mean, that is, you know, I I spent my entire youth in section three twenty, row twenty two, seats five through eight. And when I was growing up, I used to say to my dad, the worst thing he ever did to me was this because. When I was five years old, he always tells the story. They used to sell at Giant Stadium both home and the opposing team sometimes at at, um, Souvenir Stand. And so we went to a Patriots game when I was five, and I really liked the red gear. The Patriots were red at the time, and I wanted a red shirt, a red shirt, a red shirt. My dad said, no, 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 we're Jets fans. So I was a Jets fan, and I could have had a much much easier life if he would have just let me have the red shirt. That's, That's what I will tell you. But yeah, I mean, the kids, Rangers fans, Jets fans, and... I don't even, I mean, they have heard so much about the Mets fans already. Like everybody that they meet, my my son, all he knows about is Mets, 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 Mets. So um, so I would assume Mets fan as well. But, you know, who, who knows? Maybe these kids will be independent and think for themselves. Maybe they'll they'll spurn their father and and uh, and go in a different direction. Yeah, you can't do that to them, Steve. Yeah, the Jets. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll show you my I'll show you my email and just all these. I got. I'm 76 years old. I've been rooting this team forever. And I got one today from somebody just you know just lamenting life. Well, you know, Kaz, I'll, I'll tell you this: that my dad used to tell these stories about how it used to be so bad. They were, again, they were, you know, up in the, the nosebleeds in 320, row 22, and they would all show up every week. But the team was so bad that they used to bring like one of those little portable TVs and everybody would crowd around while the Jets game was going on once the game got out of hand and they'd turn on the Honeymooners. And as a section, <laughs> they'd all watch the Honeymooners up there. Wow. It's not an easy life, but it builds character, right, Jake? Uh, yeah, Mets, Jets, Knicks, just all I know is pain. I've seen zero championships in my 30 years on planet earth you have an interesting cavalcade of stars you do it with a couple friends of the program with us leger Duzable, who we love willie cologne my guy from hofstra fellow hofstra alum good to see those guys shine and the always outspoken bart scott what is that experience like first off on the pre and post game i know it's tough to get a word in between those guys but it's got to be at least fun and i would imagine a lot a lot of fun you know when the microphone and the the cameras are off as well. It has been an experience in the best possible way. You know, I didn't know what to expect. I was really excited. Obviously, you know, knew Bart Scott just just from watching him for all these years, and and Willie on the the pre and post game shows. And I thought he was great. 
And then Leger was somebody who, you know, I actually worked one time with Leger back in like 2013 or 2014 when he was still playing and I was hosting Daily News Live and he came on. And I remember thinking, you know, this guy's, this guy's really good. He's probably got a future in this. And we brought him in to do the draft show this year. And I was blown away. And I said, you know, at that point, I think he was going to do some pre and post, but he lives down in Florida. They weren't sure if it was going to be kind of a, you know, do a couple of games here or there. And I remember talking to my producer right after, and I said, you know, we got to, we got to see if he can commit to doing an entire season because he's just, he's tremendous. He's so well-prepared and, and just so insightful. And so, you know, he, he signed up as well. And, you know, it takes a little while, I think, to, to kind of figure out your role as a host with, with three guys that, you know, at the core, I think when the show's at its best, you just let them rip, you know, and you, and you let it go and you just try and find a time to make sure that you're keeping the guardrails up there and, and uh, making sure that it moves forward. But, it's been un- unbelievable to do it on the air and then off the air, like you said. I feel like I'm watching an entirely new sport. I think there is something about football that if you've never played at that type of a level, you miss so much. You know, if, if you're just watching it as a fan, you miss so much. And I remember the first week there was a play where the guys were talking about why Sam Darnold just isn't that good of a quarterback. And he certainly looked like he was having a great game. And, you know, the first three games looked like like maybe the Jets made a mistake. But there was one play in that first game where, you know, it looks like the, the guys are just lining up normally. And all of a sudden, at the same time, all three guys, they start pointing at C.J. Mosley. And they're like, hey, he's too far away. He's too far away. He's too far away. He's trying to disguise that uh, they're in man-to-man and, and they're really in the zone, blah, blah, blah. And they're just they're shouting. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, what, what am I watching? What are you talking about? And quickly, I think it was Willie said, it might have been Leger, but he said, he's he's trying to disguise the tight end is going to be wide open. If Sam recognizes this, he's not going to have too much, he's not going to have enough time to to close on the tight end. That's going to be a 20-yard reception. And sure enough, snap is is taken by Sam. He backs up. Tight end is wide open because CJ's too far away. He's trying to close, trying to close, trying to close. And Sam doesn't recognize it. And at the time that he finally does recognize that the tight end is open, he throws the pass. CJ's already made up ground, and it's an incomplete pass. Now, for a layman watching that play in real time without that type of insight, you think, well, you know, he tried to tight to fit it into a tight window. Good play by CJ Mosley to break it up. For people that are watching and and know what they're talking about, they see pre-snap what Sam should have seen pre-snap, and you see that that's a huge missed opportunity right there. And so that's the type of learning that's been going on from my point of view and so as someone who's been you know a a lifelong Jets fan season ticket holder since uh, you know I was a little kid my dad's season ticket holder I feel like I am watching an entirely new sport and it's a really really neat experience yeah those are it's funny because there's Jets everywhere in the media ex-Jets that have come through the locker room so and there's guys like you knew were going to be media guys, Bart being one of them. Uh, you knew that right away. And Damian Woody on ESPN, you knew he was going to be there. Willie, you know, Leger, I did not know well because Leger wasn't, Leger was kind of a backup with the Jets and not a go to guy for the media. But like when you spoke to Leger, you realized yeah, he was a pretty sharp guy. And then when you saw him do it, he, he was good. You know, Bart's the one that kills me, Steve. And I, like, I love you. You should, you should bust on Bart for this. I like when Bart gets on guys for like their interviews and stuff. Like Bart could be great. Bart was great. When he first got here, Bart was great to talk to the, to the media. By the end, 
Bart hated us. <laughs> and Bart was a pain in the butt. Like Bart organized a team boycott of the media yeah, or he tried that. to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was like, Bart, like, what the hell are you doing? And like he'd be mad that like, one guy wrote something and then he like organized this one. Like he so I laugh now, like Bart's in the media and Bart I saw Bart criticizing some I think it was with Zach said yeah, last week. Was Zach game, said last right? week. Yep, and, yep, yeah. yep. and I'm like, man. Bart, you, how quickly they forget what it was like to be a player and have to deal with the media. I know, you know? you're not. And it, listen, it happens to me on the Mets side of things too. And you see players that when they're playing, not just with the Mets, but with other organizations that you know, they're not a fan of what we're doing. And then they get into it and immediately they, they quickly forget. So Kaz, I have a question for you. I don't know if I'm allowed to oh. do that, but I do yeah, have yeah, a question ahead, for you on, on, on that level. Because again, I've been thinking about I this. feel like I'm in the upper deck at City Fields. <laughs> Well, well, we'll flip the script this summer, right? I, I think, you know, going into the year, you would say there's no shot that he gets anything less, Zach Wilson, than than two years, right, to prove it, okay? Probably more. Given the fact that it's now 11 years without the playoffs, and there do seem to all of a sudden be some pieces in this offense, you know, maybe the defense needs a lot of work and certainly has dealt with a lot of injuries, but but offensively, this draft was a home run outside of the number two pick, which is weird to say. You know that. I mean, if, if they hit on Zach, which is what it's really all about, it's a grand slam. But Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, you've got three legitimate pieces there. And you had a, a three-week stretch where the Jets offense was the best in the NFL by a, by a lot when Zach Wilson wasn't there. How many weeks, how much rope does Zach get next year where you would assume this team has to take a massive leap to, to be at least in the conversation later in the year. Is, is he given the entire season or if, if after three games, four games, there's nothing going there and the rest of the, the unit seems to have enough? Will whomever's here, whether it's a Mike White or they bring in a veteran quarterback, will, will the Jets you know potentially look to turn to him sooner than anybody would have expected? It's a good question. I think he gets next year. I mean, I would be surprised if they didn't give him the whole year. You know, I was talking with someone tonight who, just, you know, they said in the Jets and they're like, he needs two more weapons. You know, like he needs and whether you want to say that's a tight end that, that can really change the game and another receiver like I, that's kind of where I would think. Because Corey Davis, you know, also not a draft pick, but a good free agent signing. But Corey Davis probably isn't a number one. Uh, maybe Elijah Moore develops into that number one. But I think if you had Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and then one more guy, like one more really, really good receiver at a good tight end, and then Carter at running back, now you got an offense. And I think that would help him. But, yeah, I think he'll have a long leash next year. Yes, there's going to be expectations going into next season. I don't know if you can expect them to be a playoff team next season. I think – Let's say they end with four wins. That means next year, if they got eight, they'd be doubling it. And that's probably not a playoff team. So I think expectations will be raised next year. But to me, I think just from the vibes I've gotten from the Jets, they're more thinking 2023 is the year where they'll actually be a playoff team. The guy who I wonder about patience with is is the owner. Because Woody, you know, he, he can he can all of a sudden go, go get this guy. You know, and we've seen it like Favre, you know, go get Favre, go get Tebow. You know, now this offseason, I don't think he'll do it. I think he trusts these guys, but I'm curious if they don't win next year and 2023 offseason has like some quarterback, because it seems like now this is the trend now, quarterbacks blowing their way out of town. 
if someone says, you know, they want to be traded, does Woody say, all right, forget Zach Wilson, go get that guy? You know, that's what I'm curious. But I think he'll get next year. But, you know, anything can happen. (laughs) And if if he's a total disaster, there'll be people clamoring from Jake will be chanting Mike White's name ready for him to go in. Right, Jake? Who knows? I mean, Russell Wilson comes out there, Aaron Rodgers, someone out there. Steve, Kaz, you glad Steve didn't ask you about your New Year's resolution as a was that was that unbelievable that was the greatest thing i saw all day i think i've watched that 50 times <laughs> hi um football aside sorry but i'm doing a story about new year's resolutions and i was just wondering if you had any you wanted to share with your fans and our readers yeah no not right now okay thanks maybe next week I like that he didn't even get that mad. He said, like, now is that... I thought he was going to be like, stop it or something. It was like kind of a kind answer. It's, a, the, it's weird part. what we're seeing out of, out of Belichick. He apologized to reporters last I think week. He, I think he recognized that, that that wasn't a regular there, that that she didn't know what she was doing. You know, yeah, he, he would swat it away if it was a football question more. Because if you were to ask that, I think he would have maybe been meaner. But uh, I, I once asked Bill Belichick before the 2011 Super Bowl before they played the Giants, the second Super Bowl, if he had to win another Super Bowl to validate his previous Super Bowl wins because of Spygate. That question didn't go over well. <laughs> what did he say? I'm, I'm focused on the game. Something like, something like that. He just didn't answer it. Yeah, but it was like Bill Belichick is famous for the beginning of Super Bowl week being very jovial. And he'll like his press conferences, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at Super Bowl, are really good. And yeah, he had been like people were commenting about how good he was. And then yeah, he shut me down. And I said, "Well, you ruined it." Steve, speaking of good, you work with the best broadcast booth in baseball, Gary Keith and Ron. How have they made you a better broadcaster? I mean, they're just they seem so easy to work with. And Gary is just the best in the business that. He's had to make your broadcast game better. So can I tell you something? I'm so glad you asked that question because I like to tell this story a lot and I I don't really get asked about it that much, but I honestly feel like if I didn't just, you know, in a lot of cases land in the right place at the right time, get to and why as soon as Kevin was leaving and, and just get the opportunity, I don't think I would be even half of the broadcaster that I am because like you said, they seem so easy to work with and, you know, they are, especially now. I mean, now that we have a, a nice rapport. But the one thing about Gary, Keith, and Ron, especially Gary, is they're so excellent at what they do, right? And they're so prepared and so buttoned up. And nobody knows more about what what each of their specialties are than they do, that they don't suffer fools. And so, and they don't pretend to on the air either. So I remember when I was starting out and I was coming, you know, I was very, very green. I was coming from MSG Varsity. I was covering high school sports. It's very different. And I, I remember, you know, doing a couple of games early on where I thought I had some good stories, some good nuggets to add. But, you know, looking back, they were probably a little hokey. Probably it's not what that broadcast really is, which is which is really, you know, on one hand, it's it's we like to have a lot of fun and and not, you know, take ourselves too seriously. But on the other hand, we like to to you know, provide some real good information. And my job is supposed to be, you know, much, much more journalistic than a lot of television reporter jobs can be at times. You know, they, they really push me to go find some, some information that people just do not know. And so early on, I would, I would, you know, do stories. And if they didn't like it or it wasn't interesting to them, they wouldn't react to it. They just continue on with the game. And 
I was, you know, a little thrown in the beginning. And you start to realize very quickly that you have to raise your level if you want to to get that respect uh, on and off the air. And I did, you know, I really did. And it took, I think it took a few years, quite frankly, for me to reach the point that I needed to reach to go toe to toe with them and to understand how I best fit in. Uh, to understand, you know, the, the broadcast is very different when it's the three of them versus when it's just Gary and Keith versus when it's just Gary and Ron, right? Keith is certainly very different than Ron is. And so you just, you have to know what fits in the right moment at the right time, what questions to ask, what things might be interesting to them. And, and I just think that, you know, oftentimes people can be too nice and too, I don't want this to come off wrong, but like they were very nice. They were very welcoming. That, that's not the issue, but they just, they demanded that I, I bring it. And I think a lot of times people will say, oh, you know, that was great, or that was a wonderful story, this and that, when they don't mean it. And you know, maybe they'll say something behind your back. or That's not them. You know where you stand with them at all times. And I, I could not be more grateful for being a part of that group because it's just, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been a real education. It's been like going to grad school at the, best, at the best graduate school in the country. How much pressure do you feel, Steve, having asked the first question of the postgame interview every, every night? You know when I feel the most pressure is when they fall out of contention because I learned very quickly. So my first two years full-time were 2015 and 2016, both playoff years, obviously 2015, the magical run. And 2017, they fell off a cliff. And I remember sometime in August, you know, I always I always get prepared with my usual first two questions. And I asked Terry Collins a couple of questions. And then there was just silence because none of the writers needed anything. And they had already written their stories, and that was it. And <laughs> so I got a call from one of our producers, and they said, hey, this is our fault for not letting you know. But once it gets to, you know, August, September and, and meaningless games – you need to keep that press conference going for postgame as long as possible. And so you have to ask five, six, seven. If nobody's going to ask questions, you got to go. And you know, oftentimes the writers aren't asking questions because there's not too much to ask. So that's, you know what I mean? That's where it's. I'm not, I'm not familiar with covering a team that falls out of contention. <laughs> I, I'd like to talk to you more about that. You got to yeah. cover a team that gets into morning, Wednesday morning at Jets. I walked in there Wednesday morning. And I, I actually talking to Janet to Janet Coakley. I'm like, what are we gonna ask? Like, there is nothing to talk about with this team. Like, what the hell are we gonna ask? And Janet is like, you know, she's like, I was thinking about asking him who would be the coach if he got COVID. And we're like, oh, that's a really good question. And he got, and COVID. He got COVID. And then, and then all of a sudden, twenty minutes later, they're like, yeah, um, Salah tested positive. It was incredible. That's some foresight then, right there. Yeah, wow. yeah. So, Janae, Janae spoke it into his existence, you know, and then uh, and then it happened. And then also it was, we have a story. I, I hope the guy's okay, but we have a story. Would any of you guys have predicted, if you would have had to guess that it was Ron Middleton, would anybody no. have done that? No, no. We actually, we had, we kicked it around. We all were given our guesses because it's not, it was not an easy question with this team, you know, like with the gay staff, Greg Williams was the obvious choice. He'd been a head coach before. With Todd Bowles, I probably would have guessed Carl Durrell because he had been a head coach before. There's no one on the staff that's been a head coach. So we were kind of looking, and then a lot of them are younger or inexperienced, and the coordinators are both first-time coordinators. Special teams coach, he's only known for 11 months. So we were like, you know, we, I, we were guessing, and none of us said Ron Milton. So, yeah, we didn't know. 
And did Janae buy Mega Millions tickets that night? Yeah, it was great by Janae. It was a good call uh, by her. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll text your Miss Cleo, Janae Coakley. Uh, last one for you. Uh, you know, you've had an interesting life. Your dad was the Rangers physical therapist, and then your uncle served Tom Seaver in his dry cleaning business. So you were born to work in sports. Yeah, what really a strange was. upbringing. Can you kind of... <laughs> Take us through that. And what, yeah, well, what so, the hell happened? Yeah, so I'll tell you. It was really. I mean, it's my uncle, but my my grandfather. It was originally his dry cleaner, and he um, Tom Seaver was a, a regular client of his. And so my my grandfather always tells two stories about Seaver. One that you know he would tell all his friends that oh I you know I know Tom Seaver. I'm friends with Tom Seaver, and they were all like Tom. You don't know Tom Seaver. Tom Seaver doesn't know who you are. He doesn't care who you are. And so he told Tom that. And Tom's like, you know what? Come out to the game. You know, when when uh, come down during batting practice, I'll, I'm running. I, I can't remember who he was running with. I think it might have been Gary Gentry, but running around the outfield. And and I'll stop and I'll say hi, and they'll know who you are, right? And so he's like, great. So he brings his friends to this game, and they're standing in the outfield. They get down low, and Seaver runs by, and my grandpa's like, Tom, Tom, it's Ronnie. It's Ronnie from Best Ever Cleaners. And Tom just looks up at him, and he, he like, he's like, who? I have no idea who you're talking about. And runs around, does it a second time. All of my grandfather's friends are like, "You, I knew you didn't know Tom Seaver. And then sure enough, Tom stops and he's like, no, nah, I'm just kidding around. And, and he stopped and he talked to them. So that was great. And then the other thing is that my uncle used to think that Nancy Seaver was was gorgeous. And he was a you know a 13-year-old kid. And so my grandfather told Tom this. And Tom's like, get him on the phone and tell him to, to come by, that I'm here and I want to meet him. And so my grandfather calls my uncle. He's like, hey, Tom Seaver's in the store now. Come by. You can meet Tom Seaver. So my uncle gets down to the store. He's a, he's a kid. He's you know, 12, 13 years old. He goes up and he says that Seaver goes to shake his hand. And then he grabs his hand and pulls him in close. And he goes, so you think my wife's beautiful? <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. I didn't mean anything. He goes, no, 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 no. And he, so he joked around. So that that's the the Seaver element, which is great. And then, yeah, for my my father... He was Rangers physical therapist from 88 to 96. I was seven years old in 94. I'm doing this job because of that year and because of my dad. You know, I think that year, I was such an insane Rangers fan to begin with. But as a seven-year-old, I mean, that's like your formative time. And my dad was a part of it. You know, like Mike Richter, Jay Wells would come over to the house for dinner. And I wouldn't even think anything of it other than it was like my dad's work friend. And the craziest part of the story with my dad is that he's a team physical therapist, so he's not on the bench. He doesn't travel with the team. He goes to a lot of home games. But in the playoffs, they had all the support staff go in the first round to Long Island and in the conference finals to New Jersey. So game six, the famous Messier guarantee, Rangers are down 2 nothing, and Adam Graves starts getting back spasms during the game and they don't want to take him out of the game. So they send Bruce the masseuse to go get my father in the stands and come down onto the bench to work on Graves in between shifts. And I remember watching as a kid, I'm watching TV and all of a sudden I see my dad on the bench. Like you don't know what's going on. Right. But the second that he comes down, just coincidentally, Alexei Kovalev scores to make it a two to one game. Then Messier scores the hat trick. They win four to two. So Mike Keenan says, you're never leaving the bench. You're not, this is, you're traveling with us the whole way. And so my dad was on the bench, game seven, the Matteau game, the entire Canucks series, 
You know, he's in all those photos. He's, I mean, he's right there in everything that took place. So that was really why I say that that was the reason I do this is, you know, obviously I saw what that team could do for the city and just the emotional connection that I had with the Rangers. And I remember thinking that this is, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to be in sports somehow. I want to be a part of it. And I think a lot of kids, I really believe this, a lot of kids want to get into this and get discouraged for one reason or another, whether it's parents saying nobody does that, or it's just the fact that there's a belief that nobody really gets to do it. For me, I grew up with my dad having done it in a different capacity, but he was always a part of, of that. And so it never felt far-fetched to me. You know, I, I chose a different path, but being in pro sports in some capacity never felt far-fetched to me. And, and so that's why I do it. And that's, that's why I do it. But yeah, that's, that's the crazy uh, Scott Gelb story with the Rangers in 94 and, and the Seaver stories from before I was born. Those are incredible. God, I love that. You know, I'm just thinking of you're, you're eating chicken nuggets at the kitty table and your dad's with, you know, Mike Richter having a, a piece of steak at the big boy table in the household. Uh, what a story. And rest in peace, of course, to Tom Seaver. Steve Gelbs, catch him on SNY, the Jets pre and post game. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Steve Gelbs. Steve, we could talk for hours. I'm, I'm glad we finally had you on. We'll have to do it again. If not, you know, we'll have you on with me and Figgy. Amazing but true. And uh, appreciate the time and have a happy new year. Fantastic, guys. So happy to have done it anytime you guys need. And, uh, and you guys, too. Have a happy holiday. Happy new year. We see the path. The path is clear. It's going to flip. That says adios to episode 95, the Ricky Lyle edition of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to you, Andrew Hartz, and the intern Cameron Izair for helping me produce the show. So I'll find out Tuesday about this PCR, which I guess lets you know that you, uh, if you had COVID within the last month or whatever it is. So I will come down to the bottom of what has been going on with me on Tuesday, Hartz, because you hear it. It sounds like death. Maybe it's a sinus infection. I'm no doctor, but I've been taking DayQuil, nine. NyQuil, Mucinex, gummies, airborne, you name it. I've been taking it. Tea, I've been taking the throat coat. And that hasn't done anything either. So I don't know what the issue is. I'll tell you, you have to go with the old Jewish penicillin, and that's matzo ball soup. That's one of those underrated things that, you know, it just it sits well with you, and it goes down easy and smooth and kind of fills you up. And, you know, you don't necessarily need all the, the medicine stuff. And as long as you can still taste and you don't necessarily have COVID, you can still enjoy it. Well, unfortunately, you haven't been nice enough to come from Bayside, Ben's Deli, and bring me the matzo ball soup because it's only Bayside or it's in the city. I mean, I guess I could go to Mike's diner and get it but true matzo ball soup comes from the legendary ben's deli and you know that very well don't you a hundred percent actually ben's is probably my second favorite my first favorite comes from cats's but that's again it's uh, in the city and you gotta take a special trip in for that sometimes but right now jake it sounds like you're in need for a big old bowl of matzo ball i'm trying to be good for because new year's eve i mean you gotta kind of drink for new year's eve if you don't it's depressing i was already alone on christmas watching the knicks and football and eating it's just depressing times but hope everyone has had a merry Christmas. Did you watch Jingle All the Way at all over the week? Oh, of course. Yeah, it's not a Christmas season without watching a rendition of Jingle All the Way. I think I've memorized the lines too much that I didn't watch it because I know every line. Although I, I'm pissed that I cannot recite the reindeer like he does. Donald Comet, Cupid, Blondo, Blitz, and Bob. Have you got that down bad yet? I haven't. No. I will say, though, as a kid, when I first saw that, that was the true test. If you're able to get that down, then you were a real fan of the movie. Well, I'm glad a couple of our listeners you know, tweeted me saying that they did finally watch it and that it was a great recommendation.
person. So shout out to me for the recommendation. You're welcome. That's my Christmas gift to you. And thanks, you hearts, for basically, uh, we basically had offsetting penalties where I on Blue Rush gave you a gift card and you gave me one back. So uh, there's a holding on the defense and a holding on the offense. Penalties offset. We're going to replay first down. That's essentially what that was. Shout out to you. And a shout out to Cameron Uzera. Shout out to Brian Costello. Make sure you give us a five-star rating. Nice review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating on Spotify as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio. Follow Kaz at Brian Kaz. We will be back on Thursday to preview the Jets' a difficult matchup ahead with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hope everyone stay safe, stay inside, stay quarantined if you got COVID. Do what you got to do. Hope you all had a Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, and thanks for listening. Gang's all here. Jets Victory Edition. Peace.